0: Anyway, let's go to the Word of God. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 7. It says, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, and I love this because John wrote this about himself. Imagine that, you know, talking about himself in the third person. The disciple that Jesus loved, great way to see yourself as someone that God loves. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Now, I'm into, like, numbers. I'm, you know, I'm a former CPA, and so numbers. So I always look at when the Bible gives a number, I'm like, what does that mean? And I don't know that there's anything that is significant about this, but here are a few things the Lord showed me about 153. 153 is literally the the triangularization of the number 17. For For those of you who don't know what that means, it means 17 plus 16 plus 15 plus 14 plus 12 plus 11 all the way down equals 153. Now, why is that important? Because from a Jewish point of view, 17 is seen as 10 and 7. And 10 is the number of testing, and seven is the number of perfection. And so here Satan came, remember, at the crucifixion to test the faith of Peter, but Jesus made sure that it didn't sift him, but rather it perfected him. Isn't God good? 153 fish. Not only that, but interestingly enough, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, 1, 7, 17, Peter says this about trials. He says these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory to God. Isn't that neat how Peter just connected the whole thing? 153 fish he called. And um, then the scripture goes on and says, come and eat breakfast with me. Verse number 12, Jesus said, come and eat breakfast with me. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And then Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? more than these. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Today, we are going to continue in our series, Relationship Repair. And I want to talk to you from the subject, Better Fish, Better Future. Better Fish, Better Future. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? You'll see. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace and your power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we give you all the praise and all the honor. And everybody said, you may be seated. Well, we are in our current series, um, Relationship Repair. And uh, we are talking about how to repair the God-sent, God-meant relationships in our lives. We said that there are two types of relationships in our lives. We said that there are those that the enemy sends into our life in order to twist us. But then there are those that that God sends into our lives in order to assist us. And when it comes to the ones that God sends into our lives... These are destiny relationships, and so we need to put in the work necessary in order to repair those relationships as opposed to the relationships the enemy sends into our lives where we need the courage to move on from. Some people think, you know, when it comes to relationships, the best way to get relational advice is to Google it, and so I kind of just tested that out for a minute, so I Googled, you know, relationship advice, and the first thing that popped up on this site, it was called the best relationship advice I ever received. It gave the top eight tips for how to have great relationships. You tell me if, if this is good advice or not, okay? Take it easy was the first one. Second thing they said was give 90%. Second th- third thing they said was you're responsible for your own happiness. Fourth thing, stop waiting and live your life. Fifth thing, love yourself. Sixth thing, don't put boundaries on other people seventh thing sometimes love is where you least expect it and number eight put in some effort And when I read these things, I thought, that's a mixture, isn't it? That's a mixture of kind of some things that are all right and good and some things that are just crazy and downright warped. What do you mean don't put boundaries on people? Of course you have to put boundaries on people. And so I've learned this, that when we want relationship advice, we don't go to Google. We go to God, who is the author of relationships. He knows how to teach us how to have right relationships and how to repair relationships. Relationships that are God sent and God meant. And so for instruction on this, we turned our attention to the story of Jesus and Peter because this was a God sent, God meant relationship. It went beyond just savior and, um, and saint. It went to friends. They had a close relationship. It was tight in every way. And we said that this relationship found itself fractured and in need of repair. Remember when Peter denied Christ at the moment when Christ needed him the most. And Peter not only denied Christ, but then he was overwhelmed with shame. And the relationship had some hurdles to overcome in order to get back to a place of repair, especially because of the shame factor, which we've been talking about, becomes a wall sometimes that stands in the way of you and I reconnecting with those relationships that are right and tight, that are God sent and God meant. And so we're looking at all this, and what Peter does is he's so overwhelmed with shame that he says, I'm going fishing. In other words, that's his way of... Walking out on the relationship. And we look at Peter in a certain kind of tone of voice when he's, I'm going fishing. But we have our own ways of going fishing, don't we? I'm out of here. You know, I'm going for a drive. I'm going to work. I'm hitting the bottle. I'm going to pick up some weed. You know, I'm going into the arms of another person. I'm going into my corner. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. We all have ways of quitting on relationships that need repair. And those are unhealthy ways. And when we quit, and the interesting thing about this is that Peter quits on the relationship, but Jesus continues to fight for him. Because God fights for us. Even when we are faithless, aren't you glad God is still faithful? And so we looked into this situation. We said, how did Jesus repair this relationship that was fractured and broken? And we said that he did several things and I'll just highlights and then we'll get into the new stuff. Number one, H, or I'm sorry, M, he made the first move. We talked about the fact that the angel that was resur- the angel that was there at the resurrection had a message for the women that were at the tomb. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter, even when Jesus was being crucified. And when he went to hell on our behalf, Peter and reconciliation with Peter was on his mind. He makes the first move by sending a message. But then he goes to the shore where Peter is swallowed up in shame and he waits there for him. He's calling out on the shore. He's reconciling the relationship. And we said that if relationships that are right and tight are going to be repaired, that somebody has to be like Jesus somebody's got to make the first move. And then we said, H, if you can't repair it by yourself, you need to get help. John was in the boat with Peter when Peter went fishing. John said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm coming with you. And John was there. And John was the one that pointed out to Peter. He said, that's the Lord. And we talked about how we needed the right people around us who can tell us what is God and what isn't God when we are going through relationships that are fractured and needing repair. John was Peter's help. And then we left off last time, and here's where we're gonna pick it up today, with the third key, you gotta swim. We said, what does that mean? That means putting in the work. Peter jumped in the water and he began to swim to Jesus. And we talked about how relationships don't repair themselves. They don't heal by themselves. Peter jumped up in the water and he began to swim to Jesus. And that tells us that repairing right relationships is hard work. Let me give you three reasons or three things that you have to do and why it's hard. Number one, first thing that you have to do to put in the work to swim is you got to swallow your pride. I mean, think about this. Here's Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He knew how to fish. He fished all night. He caught nothing. This guy who he thought was a stranger is on the shore. He didn't know it was Jesus yet. And he calls out to him. He says, put your net on the other side. Peter's like, what you telling me, bro? I do this for a living. You're going to tell me how to fish? What happened? He had to swallow his pride. He could have said, who are you to tell me? But see, here's what we need to, here's the takeaway when it comes to relationships, that if you're going to have repair, somebody's going to have to swallow their pride. Sometimes both people are going to have to swallow their pride. Proverbs 16, 8 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Do you know that's true in relationships? In relationships when we cling to our rights to be right. When we, when we think, well, you know, they had to come to me on my terms. I'm talking about right relationships. I'm not talking about relationships that you ought to walk on from. I'm talking about those God sent, God meant relationships. You gotta swallow your pride. How many of you know swallowing your pride is hard? It's hard to say I was wrong. It's hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard to ask for forgiveness. It's hard to go the extra mile. You have to swallow your pride. But then number two, the reason why it's hard work to repair a relationship, swimming, is because you have to start the process of rebuilding trust. Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Peter's like, fished all night, put the proper worms on the hook, tried all the fancy lures, had my fish finder going, and you're going to tell me there's fish over there? I guess I'm just going to have to trust you. And Jesus is like, Exactly. Here's what happens in relationships. Some of the most difficult work is rebuilding trust. When I have given you my heart, my love, my vulnerability, and you violate me, what hurts the most Is I feel like my trust has been trashed. And even though I might want to reconcile, I'm reluctant to trust again. Does this sound familiar? And in order to rebuild trust, you must cast your net on the other side of the boat. You must put some actions behind what you are asking me to do. And that's trust you again. You need to prove to me, not by what you say, but by what I see you do, that you are worthy of my trust. I forgive you, but in order to To reconcile and repair this thing, we've got to rebuild some trust. And that needs you need to begin to increase my confidence that you are worthy of my trust. If your actions don't affirm my desire to trust you, then the relationship really can't be repaired like it needs to be. Cast your net on the other side of the boat. We need different patterns to be reestablished again. And then number three, and this is the most important thing in swimming. If you're going to put in the work, you're going to have to swim toward the Savior. Did you notice what, what Peter did when he jumped in the boat? He just didn't go for a swim. He was swimming somewhere. And, and here, here's what we need to realize. When we stray from the Savior in our personal walk with the Lord, we don't only make ourselves vulnerable, we make our relationships vulnerable. The reason why every father needs to make sure their relationship with God is tight and right is because if their relationship with God is not tight and right, the rest of the relationships in the family are going to become fractured because when you're not right with Jesus, let me tell you, it's even harder to swallow your pride. It's even harder for you to say, I'm sorry. We need to get close to Jesus to say, forgive me, to say, you know, "Um, please, you know, give me another chance. I was wrong. That takes humility. And in order to be humble, we need to be right with Jesus. This is what Ecclesiastes is talking about when it talks about the key to right relationship. I want you to notice this. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone. Pity the fool, Mr. T said. But pity anyone. Sorry, I just got lost for a second. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And watch this. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What's that talking about? That, that third wheel. In the relationship, that's Jesus. Normally a third wheel in a relationship is not good, right? But when it's Jesus, it's the glue that holds the relationship together. If we are going to be right with each other, if we are going to put in the work that is required to repair relationship, we've got to make sure that we are right with Jesus. And I brought this little illustration with me tonight. Can you all help me out? Ralph and Melissa. I'm sorry, Melissa. I know you're right. Come on up here one second. These are two of my favorite people in the whole church. Give them a big God bless you for volunteering to help me. Come on, hurry up. We don't got all day. I need Ralph for you to hold one side of the rope. Melissa, you hold the other side of the rope over here. Okay, this is often how relationships are. One person on this side, one person on this side. Now, get centered on the ladder here for a second and get close to the ladder, okay? Make it nice and tight. Jesus is in the middle. Here's what I want you to see. Now, don't resist me or nothing like this. Cooperate with it, okay? We know you're tough and strong and all that. Watch what happens when in a relationship... Ladder match! No, just Watch what happens in a relationship when you lift up Jesus. When in your relationship... You endeavor to lift up the Lord, you'll naturally come closer together. See, this is why putting Christ first is so essential in every relationship. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Y'all thought it was going to be something like really spectacular, like ladder on the stage. No, just quick little illustration right there. Swim. Swim towards the Savior in your own personal walk, and it will help you to repair those relationships that are right and tight. Let's jump to the next one. Next key. In order for relationships to be repaired, you need to erase the evidence. Erase the evidence of what has been broken. Peter jumps in the water. He starts swimming toward Jesus. When he gets to the shore, he lifts up his head out of the water. And here's the scene, verse number 9. As soon as they had come to land, they saw fish, fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. There's only one other place in all of Scripture where it mentions a charcoal fire, if you will. And you guessed it. It's when Peter is warming his hands as he's watching Jesus being crucified, and as he denies the Lord. The scripture is emphatic about what took place at the moment of his denial. Peter was warming his hands on the charcoal fire. The rooster crows the third time, and as he denies Jesus, and the scripture says, they lock eyes. Now watch this, Luke chapter 22, verse 55. Now when they had kindled to the fire in the midst of the courtyard, sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And if you read the contents, it says warm in his hands. Verse 60. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. Now, I used to teach. Imagine being on the other side of that look. I used to think that look was like, you know, when you, when you got dad aggravated when you were a kid, and your dad would be like. You know, back in the day, all your dad had to do was give you a look. Nowadays, man, you think, I don't know what's up with the kids. Maybe there's nothing behind the look. But anyway. I used to teach, like, imagine being on the other side of that look. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine the failure that Peter must have felt when he denied Christ and then locked eyes with him through the smoke of the charcoal fire. But then I remembered something. When's the last time that a sinner has ever looked in the face of Jesus and found disappointment and found anger? Matter of fact, just the opposite. David in the gospel, uh, David in the Psalms says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. And I began to think about this and I thought, remember what happened when the woman caught in adultery looked Jesus in the face? Then I thought, do you remember what happened when the woman at the well, who was married six times and living with somebody, looked Jesus in the face? Remember what happened to the woman with the alabaster box when she looked Jesus in the face? Remember what happened to the the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he got knocked off his horse and came and looked Jesus in the face? You Remember what happened to Zacchaeus, the crooked tax collector, when he came face to face with Jesus? And then I remember what happened to me when I came face to face with Jesus. He didn't look on me with disdain or anger or punishment, but he looked on me with grace that said, you know what? You can rise again. And I believe that when he looked at Peter, it wasn't to shame Peter, that he was letting him see his face to let him know that there is grace in the face of Jesus. What does this have to do with us? If we are ever going to get to the place of erasing the evidence, we need to look into the face of Jesus. Say, Pastor, what does that do? It reminds us of the forgiveness that we received when we were sinners, when we were ashamed, when we think, when we thought God didn't love us, and we looked into Jesus' face... And we realize he died for us, and he didn't have to. He forgave us, and we were guilty. And we remember that scripture in Ephesians which says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. If the evidence is going to be erased in order for there to be repair. The first thing we need, we need two things. We need forgiveness. We just talked about that. I say when when you have a situation between the two of you, you know what you really need to do? You need to drop an F-bomb on it. So, What are you talking about, Pastor? The greatest F-bomb in all the world is a forgiveness bomb. Here is what you need to do. Blow it up. When you drop an F-bomb on situations in your relationships where somebody did something wrong, you know what you do? You destroy the plan and the work of the enemy because where there is unforgiveness, the enemy can work. Bitterness can set in. The enemy's plan can separate and cause you to, to hurt each other even further and cause you to walk around with scars and pains and all that. But if you'll drop a an F-bomb on it. It'll blow up the plan of the enemy. See, when we forgive one another, we release the other person, we release us. Famous story about Leonardo da Vinci. He painted The Last Supper. And it said that when he painted The Last Supper, he, he was having a feud with a fellow artist. And so he thought, I know I'm going to have him, I'm going to get him. I'm going to paint his face as the face of Judas. And so he's painting away and he puts them right in there and he thinks everybody that ever sees this painting again is going to look at him and go, man, he's a Judas. He's a Judas. But there was a problem. He painted this man's face as Judas before he tried to paint the face of Jesus. And when he went to paint the face of Jesus, this amazing artist could not do it. Kept coming out wrong. Kept making mistakes he thought, what's wrong with me? What's happened? And then he realized, in order for me to paint the face of Jesus, I've got to go forgive my brother that I've got aught against in my life. See, in order for Christ to be lifted up in your relationship, in order for the evidence to be erased, we've got to look into the face of Jesus and remember what Christ has done for each and every one of us. But then secondly, and here's the big one, Here's the one that nobody ever wants to do. If we're going to erase the evidence, and this is the last key, but it goes with the the key that I just gave you, is we've got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Have you all had a purple elephant staring at you the whole time? Have you all seen that up on the screen? You all thought it was just kind of cute? Now, what if I just kind of preached the whole time, never told you about the pink, it was a pink elephant, right, not a purple one. What if I just kind of had the pink elephant up there? And they' were like, why did they have a pink elephant up there? where did that have to do with relationships? Do you know, there's a lot of people who try to repair, and there's a pink elephant in the room, staring back at them. And they can't get over what has caused the breach because they have never acknowledged the elephant in the room. Look at this. Look at this with me. John chapter 21, verse number 15. Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Why the question? Because what had happened was you loved something more than me. And in order for us to repair the relationship, we can't forget about what caused the breach in terms of not acknowledging it so that it doesn't repeat itself. If we just pretend like it never happened, if we just pretended like, you know, what you did was okay and it doesn't hurt me, if we just, just try to just put some salve on it and move on, it's going to come up again. So we've got to have a difficult conversation. We've got to talk about it. I'm not bringing it up to set us back. I'm not bringing it up to throw it in your face. The conversation is not to catch you, but it's to cancel what is between us. I'm bringing it up on the heels of everything that I've done to get to this point where we could talk about it. I'm bringing it up after I've made the first move. I'm bringing it up after we've gone for help. I'm bringing it up after I've dropped an F-bomb. I'm, I'm bringing it up, maybe, anyway. I'm bringing it up after I've done all this stuff. And you should know that my heart is right. But if we are going to erase the evidence so that we can really move on, we've got to have a tough conversation. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus asked three times. Because Peter denied him three times. He wasn't trying to catch Peter. He was canceling. He was erasing the issue so that they could move forward without it constantly being the elephant in the room. Now, let me warn you when you address the elephant, elephants don't move easy. They might get bothered by the conversation, they might get irritated by the conversation, a little annoyed. I got to bring that up again. We talked about it once. We talked about it, but we haven't had resolution to the issue. It's still there. It still lingers. And you're asking me to move forward, but but I don't know that we're both on the same page. And how can two walk together except they be agreed? If we are going to get to a place where this is repaired so that it's not an issue in the future, we must address the issue. Jesus, you know I love you. Why are you asking? I'm asking because I need to hear you say it. I'm asking because I need you to own it. I'm asking because we need to move on from it. If we don't deal with what happened, it'll keep happening. We need to move this elephant out of the way. Now, don't hit the other person over the head with the elephant. Remember, reconciliation takes grace. So we're not trying to... You should do it like this. Don't don't hit them over the head with it. Don't try to shame them more with it. Word sees in with grace. We need, We need to talk about this. We need to get this to a better place. Because I don't want it to be a recurring issue in our life. Relationship repair. Forgiveness, by the way is different than total repair of a relationship. I have forgived people who have done me wrong time and time again. Not every one of them am I back in relationship with. And the reason why I can't be back in relationship with some of them is because they refuse to own the issue. And so that's cool. I wish you the best. I hope God blesses you. I hope you become a superstar in whatever it is that you, I hope you have the best life you can ever have. I just, I just can't be in this relationship here and, and go on and carry on the same way, but I'm not going to carry anything in my heart against you. I totally forgive you. I might even send you a little blessing here and there. I might even give you, you know, send something good your way. But in order for us to be back in relationship, I need to, this thing needs to be Addressed. Acknowledge the elephant. and let me close with this. I want to close with a word of encouragement for you. Repairing a right relationship is so worth it. I want you to notice a few things. Number one, when Peter decided to jump into the water and swim toward Jesus, he left 153 fish that was caught, and he swam to shore. And when he got to the shore, after leaving the fish, the big summer fish that he had, Verse number nine says, as soon as he had come out of the water, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. He left the big catch of fish that was still needing to be cleaned and still needed to be gutted. And when he got up on the shore, Jesus had filet of fish waiting for him on the fire. Give me that filet of fish. Give me that fish. What am I telling you? That there are better fish When you repair relationship, that there's better outcomes, that there's a better tomorrow. God wants to give you better things. And the temporary things that you have to sacrifice along the way in order to get to a place of relationship repair is so worth it. When he got on the shore, he not only had filleted fish, but he had bread with it too. God will supersize whatever it is that you are trying to achieve when you take the time to repair the right relationships. But watch this. The last thing that I see here is that what does Jesus say to Peter after he asks him the question every time? And I'm not going to get into the difference between feed my lambs and feed my sheep. That's for another day. Basically, he says, feed my sheep. What was feed my sheep? It was the destiny for which Peter was born. Peter was born to be a founding apostle of the church. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. By the way, in the order of the scripture, Jesus gave Peter his destiny before Satan tried showed up and tried to destroy it. In other words, Jesus said, this is what I've created you to do. Satan came along tried to destroy what he created him to do by getting involved or separating him from a right tight relationship. But notice what the outcome of fixing the relationship with. He had a better future than he otherwise would have had. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that the work for relationship repair is worth it because at the end of it is better fish and a better future it 's what God ultimately has for you. Our relationships are tied to certain certain our destinies are tied to certain relationships. Those relationships are worth fighting for. We live in the day and age. I just feel led of the Lord to say this: We live in a day and age. Where we are taught by culture. If your marriage has friction, abandon it. It's okay. (sighs) No. Fight for it. Why? Because that's where God's blessing is. That's where God can give you 153 fish. That's where God can release your destiny. Don't just move on quickly from relationships that mean something. Relationships that don't mean something, relationships that are constantly hurting, constantly devolving, those are relationships you may need to replace. We're going to talk about those relationships next week. But the relationships that God has for you, repair them. Would you stand on your feet?